My name is Candace Nichols. I am the senior minister at the Brookline Church of Christ in Brookline, Massachusetts. I have been there, it will be four years in July that I've since I've been there. Uh, prior to that, I spent 10 years as an associate minister at the Minter Lane Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. And it was actually there that I first uh, was introduced to the lectionary. At Minter Lane, I didn't preach until the very end. I got to preach my first sermon at Minter Lane about six months before I left there. Um, they made some changes in, in polity and various things. But, but one of my roles at Minter Lane was coordinating our worship planning teams. We had four teams that planned worship every week. So one team was on the first Sunday of the month, the second team on the second, and so on. And we uh, often started 10 days out from the Sunday that, that that team was going to plan. And so we needed to know what was happening on that Sunday, what the preacher was going to preach. And we got a new preacher and he had was out of practice for preaching. He had been a missionary, but then had been doing adult education at a different church before he joined us at Mentor Lane. And so he just, at some point, I think, I mean, I, there were multiple factors that went into him deciding to use the lectionary, but part of it was having to decide what to preach every week. And especially having me say 10 days out, hey, what are you gonna preach a week from Sunday? <laughs> and he's like, I haven't even really figured out what I'm preaching this Sunday. <laughs> and so we talked about it, and he decided that we would start following the lectionary. We just see what happened. So we started following the revised common lectionary, which made my job as the worship coordinator easier because I could look ahead. I knew what was gonna be on the docket three months out or a year out. I mean, so it made my life a lot easier. <laughs> and it wasn't until I got to Brookline, which was a church that was already following the lectionary as well. So this wasn't something I introduced there. I walked into that and I started having to preach week in and week out. And I realized, oh, this is maybe not as easy as I thought it was. In some ways it was great, right? I didn't have to choose my text. The text was chosen for me. But some weeks I said, ooh, yeah, I don't think I would have chosen this text, which leads, of course, to the title of my session. I can't count how many times I got up on a Sunday morning and stood in the pulpit and said, you know, I wouldn't have chosen this text. I told my, my congregation that. But here we go. And it turned out that those Sundays, on the Sundays that it was the text I would not have chosen myself, were the richest prep time for me. Because it would be easy for me to go to my favorite text, the text that I know say, this is the good news, that the good news of God is so evident in these texts. I, yes, let's preach these. But some of those texts were not so easy. And so having to really dig deep and think about what, how those texts perhaps fit into an overarching story rather than just being a self-contained unit and how then it contributed to the story of God's good news that is communicated through all of scripture. It became a very rich and rewarding experience to do that. I still would say sometimes though, I wouldn't have chosen this text. And there were some weeks I thought I, could, I wished I could just, should just push it off, but I couldn't. So what is the lectionary? Well, lectionaries in general are simply reading plans. They're plans that 
assign certain texts to a particular Sunday. Our Jewish brothers and sisters have lectionaries as well. They have texts of the Torah that are assigned for each Sabbath with, uh, with they call haftarah, which is like the readings from the prophets um, that they also add on to those readings from the Torah that they have every week with some modifications for the holidays, which we also do in our Christian lectionary. So a lectionary is a very old way of approaching scripture and approaching working through scripture together as a church. The one that's most common now is called the Revised Common Lectionary. It was the most recent edition of that came out in 1992. In the Revised Common Lectionary, there are three years. So three years to work through most of the Bible. You have year A, year B, and year C. In year A, the focus of the gospel, the gospel focus is Matthew. In year B, it's Mark. And in year C, it's Luke. And in all three years, there are bits of John throughout so that it's not simply the synoptic gospels, but you get that, that Johannine approach to the gospel as well. And so, so each, each year you're working through a gospel text, or one of the gospels, and a little bit of John. <laughs> and then there are actually four readings in each lectionary, in each Sunday, for each lectionary Sunday. There's what's called the first reading, which is generally the Old Testament, an Old Testament text. And it's often related to the gospel text. So somehow, somehow ties in the gospel text with the Old Testament. Then there's a psalm, which is related to the first reading, the Old Testament. Then there's the second reading, which is usually an epistle, one of the New Testament epistles, and then a gospel reading. So there are four readings, and that's, that's the basic outline. Now, it also gets a little more complicated because from, from Advent, which is usually the end of November or the beginning of December, through Pentecost, there are just those four readings each Sunday. After Pentecost, they give you two options for the Old Testament reading. So you've got what they call a semi-continuous, which is essentially you're working through part of the Old Testament in a, like a canonical order. And then you also still have the, um, the other one that's related to the gospel reading. So you have two options um, in the summer months, essentially, to summer through the fall to, to be able to choose for your Old Testament text. So that's, that's the most common lectionary. Now there are a few others that have come out in more recent years. There's one called the narrative lectionary, and that's a four-year cycle that reads through a little more narratively uh, of scripture. And I'll, I'll come back to that in, in a few minutes. And then uh, the Reverend Dr. Wilda Gaffney has recently come out with one called the woman's lectionary, or the women's lectionary. And uh, that one actually, I think, came out last year, so it's, it's very new. I have not actually looked at that one, so I can tell you a lot about that. So that's just a basic idea of what the lectionary is. <coughs> so why would you choose to use the lectionary? Well, as I said before, I think in some ways it's, it makes your life easier. As a preacher, as a worship planner, you know what your text is going to be. You can look ahead, you can plan ahead, you can... You, you just know what, what the text is going to be, and you don't have to think about 
coming up with a series or you know, dividing the text yourself to try to come up with uh, a sermon series or whatever that you're working on. And it's also a challenge, as I said, that there are times when you wouldn't have chosen that text. And so the challenge to me is one of the reasons to use the lectionary. Because if I, were, had, if I had to choose every time my sermon series, I would probably default there would probably be a lot of sermons on Philippians, let's just be honest, something like that, right? Like my, my favorite books, I would spend a lot of time like, oh, you know what, we haven't done Philippians since last year, I think we need to do it again. So in some ways, it's a challenge to, to broaden the scope of what you might preach. And it gives your congregation then a, a little more exposure to text. Because the reality is our, our congregations are not reading the Bible like we used to, right? I, I grew up, I mean, solid Bible reading all the time, Bible classes. We don't, we don't do that at my church anyway, right? People are not uh, reading the Bible like they used to. They're not familiar with it like we used to. You can't make allusions and assume that everyone's gonna get your allusion to some Old Testament story or text. So this is a way over three years to give your church a chance to be exposed to most of the Bible, at least most of the story. Another reason I think to use the lectionary is that it, it ties to the liturgical year, which is something we might also not be as familiar with in our tradition. I wasn't for a long time. But there's something about the rhythm of year in and year out having Advent. Advent is the, the beginning of the liturgical year, and it, it starts, it's four weeks before Christmas, and it's, it's a time of anticipation of Christmas. And then you have Christmas and Epiphany, and then you have Lent and Easter and Pentecost, and then what they call ordinary time, which is Pentecost till the next Advent. <sighs> ordinary, ordinary time. It's very original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there's something to me that's, that's really important about those rhythms of the liturgical year. Uh, the reality is we, we set our lives by rhythms anyway, right? Those of us who have children have a school year type rhythm, right? You, the school year, the year seems to start in September, right, with that, with that rhythm. Or, or the January, everybody makes the resolution. We have rhythms. We set our lives by rhythms anyway. So using the lectionary and following the liturgical year is yet is, is a way to, to make a rhythm that's distinctly Christian that guides your life for that year. And another reason to use the lectionary is because so many other Christians are using it. It gives you a conversation point with other Christians. You can have lunch with your neighbor across the street and you both heard a sermon on the same text on Sunday. And it gives you a chance to connect with other Christians who are also following the lectionary. As a preacher, it gives you a chance to collaborate with people. I live in Boston. There are other churches of Christ spread out, but it's hard to find, right? Like I can't, Caleb is my neighbor down in Providence, but it's gonna take me an hour and a half to go down there. It's hard to get together with him. To, to worship plan or to, to work on sermons. But my Episcopal priest friend up the road 
is also working on this same, these same texts. And so we can have a conversation during the week. Say, what are you thinking? And you know, we can share resources and we can share ideas. So it's a way to connect our congregations to the wider Christian witness, to connect us with other Christian groups. And again, as I said before, it's in three years, you will have gone through nearly the whole Bible. And I think this is something that's very valuable to our congregations. So in some ways, I think of the lectionary as giving us freedom, freedom in not having to choose the text, freedom in joining with others, and also an anchor that does join us to others, right? It's a freedom and an anchor that I think is, is worth exploring. Now, it's not perfect, and there are some drawbacks to following the lectionary. One of these is that you're not necessarily working consecutively through the books, right? The first Sunday of Lent is typically the Sunday reserved for the temptation of Jesus following his baptism. So you're working through the lectionary and you, you know, through Christmas you get the birth of Jesus and then you get to the baptism of Jesus and then you skip ahead to Jesus's first sermon or his first work. And in some ways that can be a little bit disjointed. So I will say that there, again, there are some drawbacks to using the lectionary. And to me, that's one of them. Because then you circle back a few weeks later to pick up the temptation. And um, I think the, the loss there is the narrative flow of the whole book. There are also some drawbacks in that oftentimes some verses are cut from the readings. You can very distinctly understand the theology of those who compiled the lectionary by what they've perhaps left out. The good thing about that is, though, you can add them back in, and I often do. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, I think, I think there's a point for, the, for these verses. They might be uncomfortable, but I think we need to hear them. So that's one of some of the drawbacks, I think, of using the lectionary. But if you decide to use the lectionary, another thing to think about is all of the resources that are available to you. I have no fewer than three books on my shelf that, that walk you through preaching from the lectionary each year. Um, Feasting on the Word is one of the more popular ones. There's a new one out called Connections. These are just three books that, that walk you through each week. These are the texts. Here's some commentary on them. Feasting on the Word is perhaps my favorite because it offers you a theological and a, and a what is it, a pastoral. There are like four different approaches to the text. So you, get, you actually get four different commentaries on one text each week. There are also lots and lots of commentaries online. Because as I said, so many different churches are following the lectionary. And there are loads of, of commentaries online. One of my favorite websites for this is called workingpreacher.com. And they have, from years back, so every year someone, every year that a text comes, they have someone write a commentary, but then they have the, the, the uh, backlog, I guess, the, the prior year's uh, commentaries. So there are loads of commentaries online. And there are also podcasts. So this one, Working Preacher, that I mentioned, has a podcast called Sermon Brainwave. 
and it's professors at uh, Luther Seminary in Minnesota, and they they get to, they just they just have chat together about the text. Every all four texts or or six texts, depending on what time of year it is, they just chat about it. There's an Old Testament professor, there are a couple of New Testament professors, there's a preaching professor, and they just have a conversation, and you get to listen in, and it gets your imagination going about what these texts are saying and what you could, how you could use them in your sermon. Another one that I enjoy is called pulpit fiction. <laughs> uh, which is uh, two, two Midwestern, um, one is a UCC and one is a UMC pastor. And, and it's the same thing. They're just, they're chatting about the text. They actually bring in other people to talk about certain parts of the text. Uh, there's a there's a, a man who's done a lot of work on the Psalms and he usually does the Psalm commentary. So there are just there are options that that connect you, I think, to the wider Christian witness, and that provide you a, a you know you don't you don't have to go searching necessarily right to find the best commentary or whatever. There there are places where everything is together. It really helps, as I mentioned before, my first experience with the lectionary was in worship planning, and it's really very helpful for worship planning because you have four readings that you can plug into your service. And I am one who highly recommends reading all four in a Sunday. I don't think we can read scripture enough in our worship services. Read them, so that's, that's one thing. But then there are resources with other readings there's a, a, an email that I get that links to poetry that's related to each reading every week. And it's actually two poems. He does a classic poem and a more contemporary poem. And they're sort of related. Sometimes I don't see the relation, I'll, I'll be honest. But, but I'm not a poetry expert, so that may be me. <laughs> that's probably me more than anything. But So there are other readings that you can tie in that that will enhance your worship service. There are websites that are dedicated to helping you choose songs that are related to each of the lectionary texts. Singing from the lectionary is one that I enjoy. And several of the others there that have, uh, have song selections that are based on each reading. So it makes it a little easier to plan worship because you're not going, what is, some weeks, again, it's harder than others. <laughs> some, some weeks you're like, there are no songs about this in, <laughs> in, our, in our hymnals. And then there's art. The lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu, that's the a source that has like all of the lectionary readings. They also have a place with art that's related to those readings for the week. And it's usually 20 or more choices. And what I love about it is I, I've been using them for several years to, to find art for bulletins or for PowerPoints, is that in recent years, they've gotten a lot more diverse. So you've got you know, your Swedish looking Jesus, but then you also have more, uh, more diverse, let's say, Jesus depictions of, of, either depictions of the text itself or art that sort of relates to the message in some of the, in some of the um, texts. And then prayers. I think, um, I grew up anyway thinking that if a prayer wasn't 
spontaneous. It wasn't real, right? <laughs> right? It wasn't. And but there, I think, is a lot of value in a pre-written prayer, and there's a lot of value in using ancient words for prayers. And there are a lot of prayers that are based on the lectionary texts. And uh, the Vanderbilt website is one that has a lot of those prayers, but there are other places as well. I'm happy to share my extensive bookmarked list of resources for lectionary planning. If you're interested, I'll leave my email up here and you can send me a message. But these, I think, are some of the, the positive things about using the lectionary and some of the negative. I yesterday sat through uh, my friend Eric Gentry's class on preaching slow. And, and in his class, he talked about taking one full year to preach through Mark. But he said one of the things about that was that he, again, wasn't having to choose the text. He started doing this in, in the pandemic because it was, he just couldn't come up with a series that, you know, it just, our minds were, we were everywhere, right, at the beginning of the pandemic. But it, he said it was so incredibly freeing, again, not to choose, to have, you know, resources that worked for the whole year that he had gathered in one place, but also that, that idea of working slowly through a text for the sake of your community, for the sake of you as a, as a Christian, right? to really dive deep into these texts. Um, one of the things at Mentor Lane that our preacher did when he decided to do that is he would follow one track for, it, for the year. So he would just, the first year it was, he followed the gospel readings the whole way through. And then the next time we came around, three years later to that same lectionary year, he followed the epistles or the Old Testament reading. I can't remember which he chose. But it's not simply that you're going over these same texts, like you're preaching from the same texts every three years, because you have four options. So, you know, 12 years, you can have a whole series of, of different texts. Um, oh, I just lost my thought. Any questions so far? What was the resource for poetry? Um, it's called the Englewood Review, E-N-G-L-E-W-O-O-D. And um, that's right. I can send you the link as well. But um, he actually sends out really great deals on Kindle books that are, that are great for ministers and preachers and stuff. So, but then... Um, every week they put together the, the poetry list and, and it's included in that email as well. So, I have noticed that my friends that use the, the liturgical calendar are like go-to people when I need something for church. <laughs> like, I need a prayer for this text or such and such. And, um, you know, like I think about Claire using, like doing what you do and she just always has an abundance of things that come to mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like it for that. And for me, I'm in, a, I'm in a place where I'm doing everything at this point, right? I preach, I plan worship, I do all of it. So for me, it's really great to have all of these resources available because I can put everything together. Um, yeah, so that's one. Other thoughts? Caleb? Caleb, so maybe put any thought into this, but, you know, sometimes there's this secondary use of a sermon series that's, it's almost like a marketing tool, sort of gimmick, you know, like, hey, we're gonna have this series, sort of a way to like gin up excitement of, 
not just, not just come to church next week, but we're going to start a new series. Right. And it's just kind of a way to create almost rhythms for your church. Um, have you thought about how the lectionary fits into that? Like, do you, do you ever worry that it's just like, oh, and we're going to do this next text in the lectionary like we do every week for the last four years? Like, how, how have you sort of overcome any fears about maybe kind of getting in the doldrums that this is just what we do every time? I mean, I think for me, part of it is is switching it up, right? Like, I, you know, I'll do the le- I'll do the gospels this year, and I'll do the epistles next year. Um, and yeah, I do I do sense that, right? Like, I I get excited about Advent in the beginning of a new year, and I know that I communicate that to my congregation, and I don't know that they are as excited as I am, except that it, we all love to sing O Come O Come Emmanuel. So, you know, that those are the weeks we sing that song and a few other few other Advent songs. So. Yeah, I, I don't, I think, I think people crave rhythm and that it's, that it's maybe okay to just, to just have that. Um, I think we're programmed to think that new is always what everybody wants, but I think there's something really centering about having these traditions that, that you come back to every year that, you know, like if you go home to visit your family, you know, mom always makes the pot roast on Sunday, right? Like this is part of your tradition and this is something that really grounds us. And so I think it's, it's actually a really valuable thing. So, and here's the other thing, because I've had several friends who follow the lectionary and they don't tell their congregations, right? They just, they just go through it themselves and they do all their prep and they don't tell their congregations. I had um, a friend of mine who was interviewing for a job in Ireland at a church in Ireland. And he, he was at Brookline, so he'd been following the lectionary. And so that's what he just sort of defaulted to. And he preached and someone came up and he was like, you know, we just happened to be following that same text in the, in the few weeks before that. And they had no idea. He's like, oh, really? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so, or, or you know what, my, my, I have a, I have a, when we started doing Zoom church, we ha- I had some people's parents that would join from, you know, other states, and they, and they would come to ours, and then they would go to their own. They're like, you know, it's funny, my priest, Episcopal family, my priest preached from that same text today. <laughs> and so there, you know, there are ways to, um, yeah. Can I speak to your question? Um, I go to Claire's church, uh, All Saints, uh, Church of Christ, and we follow the liturgical calendar. And I look forward to certain seasons uh, or certain Sundays. So, for instance, there is a baptism Sunday where uh, we talk not only about the baptism of Jesus, but we also renew our baptismal Mm -hmm. vows. And it's something that I look forward to every year. And I want to make sure that I'm at church on that Sunday because it's so special to me or the Sunday after Easter. You know, in the Church of Christ, once we started acknowledging Easter existed to begin with, you know, it's, it's the one day, but there's a season uh, in the liturgical calendar, and the second week is always, 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 no matter if it's a, your A, B, or C, it's always doubting Thomas. And I love the very, you know, the second thing that's addressed in Easter is, is doubt. And uh, so I always, always want to be there to hear that. So. Yeah. It's a different kind of excitement, I think, than we're starting a new sermon series, but it's, uh, like you said, the rhythms and the, the knowing that this is going to be there for me when I need it. Mm-hmm. So. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, well, I was going to uh, ask about uh, 
Um, so I've kind of split the difference, right? Um, so I kind of want to see if your impressions of the revised common lectionary versus the narrative lectionary. Uh, I have used the narrative lectionary in the past um, three years for to preach through the gospel. Mm -hmm. So they typically start. Uh, so they have kind of the Advent, usually prophet texts in the Advent uh, season. And then from Christmas to Easter, uh, preach through the gospel. Mm -hmm. And some kind of the life span of Jesus. So if you could talk a little bit about those differences and is there a preference you have or kind of have you used the narrative? Or yeah, the... I have not used the narrative. Although I will, I will, <laughs> I should probably have said this at the beginning. I actually planned to teach this class in 2020, two years ago. And ironically enough, I'm not following the lectionary this year. <laughs> I, I'm sort of following the lectionary. I'm, we're kind of in and out, but, but I wanted to do the whole of Luke and then do Acts from Pentecost on. And so that was another, you know, I mean, there, there are so many options, right, as preachers and worship planners. Um, so yeah, that, so the liturgical year and the lectionary especially will have you work through the life of Jesus from Advent, anticipating his birth through the resurrection. And then you've got the Easter season where you're, you know, looking at some of those texts of like the Je Jesus appearing to Thomas or the road to Emmaus and various things. And then in ordinary time, it's what does it look like to be a disciple? And so the revised common lectionary will go back and do some of the teachings of Jesus based on what it, what it looks like to be a disciple. And I think the narrative then goes to either an Old Testament or a, a, an epistle so reading. So the Easter season is usually the epistles. And then the summer, they give people kind of a, Carte either launch. you could do, um, doctrinal stuff that right. they'll have, or they say that could be your series or, or mm -hmm. things like that. So it gives you some flexibility. Okay, yeah. So, uh, and, I, and I do think there's some, I mean, to me that goes back to that rhythm of, yeah. as Christians, we're every year, we're re revisiting the life of Christ. His incarnation and his ministry and his death and resurrection and his ascension and then we're also looking at what it means to be a Christian based on that. And I think there's, I, which is essentially what I'm doing this year in, in doing Luke and Acts is the, the life of Jesus and then, and then the life of the church and what it, how do they relate? Um, I don't know if that answered your question at all, but. <laughs> well, no, I just kind of, no, you spoke about the kind of the difference. Uh, to me, the, uh, what I like about the narrative lectionary is it is a little more, um, well, it's, it's a narrative, right? It, it's telling a story in, in a more concise order, and the Revised Common Lectionary does have you jumping around some, which I think is, is good in some ways, but is also, as, as someone who likes stories, it's not, it's not great, right? <laughs> like, yes? Um, you had mentioned something about um, jumping in and out, and I'm thinking about our congregation where we've been known to, on a Saturday, because of something that happened that week, completely change everything that we're doing. Yeah. For instance, um, one time one of our members' children committed suicide, mm -hmm. and so we said we need to talk about this, and we need to lament together. 
Mm -hmm. um, and then during Zoom Church in, in the wonderful year that was 2020, we because we are a very racially diverse congregation, we took our Zoom Church in a different way, and we we listened to the voices of some of our African American brothers and sisters. Yeah. There's a lot there I could say. But, and then we also have, we've started some traditions, like a Children's Emphasis Sunday every year. This year we started a Black History Month Sunday. We started a Women's History Month Sunday. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out, is it reasonable to keep, those are our traditions. And just as much as the lectionary is a tradition that holds, holds you together with people. I'm trying to figure out if the lectionary as sort of the baseline, except for our other traditions, will work and how to dip in and out of it. Yeah, I, I am always surprised, and I, I shouldn't be at this point, by how the spirit works through it. I'm always surprised when I think, oh, this week, I don't know, I need to address this that just happened in the world. And I look at the text and I think, oh, this, this kind of does. Yeah, actually, yeah, I see where, where this actually works. I think trusting the spirit to actually be able to work through the texts that are assigned, you might be surprised. I've always been surprised. And I've only rarely said, oh, this, this is really not the Sunday for this text. But it's, and maybe part of that is you know, we're, when we come to the text, we're bringing our experience or we're bringing where we are at that point. To me, that's, that's the beauty of scripture is that it speaks to us wherever we are. And so maybe that's part of it is that we're coming with a certain question or a certain thing that's weighing on us. And it, but it, it always seems to work. And I'm always surprised. And I shouldn't be, right? Like I should, <laughs> but maybe that's that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit is always always surprising us. I also will say that I have circled back and listened to a sermon that I preached three years before, and it's totally different than the sermon I came up with for for this week, for example. And I'm always kind of surprised at that too. It to me it just shows the the. Um, the way scripture is so, I don't, not changeable, obviously, but, but it, it is, yes, it's living. It's a living thing. And how much of our own experience and our own um, thoughts and approaches really shape how we, how we read it. Yes. I was just going to mention too, just to kind of address that. I mean, I don't, I guess I, I feel much more liberty in terms of kind of, so like, for instance, after the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, you know, I took a, that week to kind of address that. So I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm enslaved to it, you right. know, there's something that, but you are right, there are times when there are texts that are, um, that you wouldn't, that when something happens, it addresses kind of what is yeah. already going on. Let me ask about that. So when you do, if you did react to engagement, and then the, the next week you went back to working through the plan for lectionary? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I just kind of for that week said, you know, this is something that has happened. Everyone is talking about it. You know, how does scripture address it? And 
So, so I, I can see when something comes up and you feel you need to react, go to the lectionary, see what it's saying to you. It's not speaking loudly enough. <laughs> Listen again. Um, and, but use it as, as much as possible for the purpose of staying close to it as it's telling its story. Right, right. But, but yeah, we're not, we're not beholden to it. So we, you know, as a, as a, as a pastor to a church, a community, you know, there are times you have to choose what's best. And it, and it may not be the lectionary text, but at, at least in our tradition, we have the freedom, right, to be able to choose and, and move a different direction if we need to. Jim. This year I preached from the lectionary with uh, my associate minister for the uh, Linton season. And on one of my particular weeks, I didn't like the gospel text. <laughs> Not that there was anything wrong with it, I just didn't think it fit particularly well into the series, and I was new. And so I went to a different story. Then two weeks later, the gospel text was very similar to the story that I had chosen on the week where I deviated, and I was kicking myself, and I said I should have just stuck to what was in the lectionary and let the Spirit make something out of it. Um, and so that was my uh, my cautionary tale. Of <laughs> I dared question the lectionary, and it backfired. <laughs> it, it backfired. Did you not just circle back to the other text that you skipped over before? That would have been a good idea, Candace. <laughs> that's, a, that's only just now occurring to me. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes it's a timing thing, right? And you, can, you maybe have the flexibility to move things around. Um, I, again, I think one of the limitations to it is, especially with the texts that are supposed to be related to the gospel reading, is, is there's a particular reading often that you see. Like if they choose this text and, and this Old Testament text to go with it, you're like, oh, I see what they're focusing on. And that may not be what you see for the text for that particular time and place. And so then, then you have the freedom to say, you know, I think I'm going to use a different psalm and I'm going to use a different reading from, from the Old Testament. But we've all, we've all seen situations where we plan something and, it, and we don't think it hits anything. But some small piece, like some, something somebody said in a prayer Someone comes up and, and sees, oh, I see how that all went together. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, and and it, I think that's trusting the spirit to, to be able to work through. Um, and, and again, I don't, I don't think the lectionary is the only way the spirit works through through us, right? But, but I think it is, it, is, it is something to trust an outside source to say this is what you should preach on versus... No, I'm going to preach on this. This is what I want to preach on, and I think to me that's the value of the lectionary is, is maybe, um, that that trust piece of trusting that God's spirit is at work, anyway, maybe in despite of me, <laughs> despite me, in spite of my my attempts. Um, any other questions or thoughts? So, Candace, there are there are texts that are just too weird. For the lectionary, right? Yes. You just don't make it. Yes. Have you ever thought about just doing like a, a quarter of funky, right? Like we're just gonna we're gonna go through texts that are too funky for the lectionary and just pick up the stuff that even it is like. Mm, that's, that's the most Caitlin thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, I would love it. It'd be so exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that would be that would definitely be exciting. <laughs> um, 
And I think that goes back to what I was saying about the, the challenging texts is figuring out how they, how they fit into that overarching story of the good news of, of God's interaction with creation, right? The, um, yeah, that would, be, that would be fun and exciting. I have, I have not considered doing that, but now I may have to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Troublesome texts. <laughs> Troublesome texts. Troublesome texts, yeah. That might be one of those good summer series if you're following the narrative lectionary. <laughs> the Island of Misfit texts. Right? Yes, I love that. I'm writing that down. <laughs> yes. One final plug I would give to the lectionary is um, the, the ease of entry for somebody who has never preached before. So, for instance, yes. at All Saints, um, it had, most people there have some sort of church Christ background. And so, for uh, a woman who had never been given the opportunity to preach, the whole, you know, being, being told just choose a text or choose a topic is <laughs> daunting. But to say, here's, here's four texts, choose from them, is a much easier entry point. And I think it allowed us to hear from far more voices than we would have heard otherwise. Yes, that's wonderful. Yes, yeah, so the, the lectionary does give that. Um, it's You don't have to choose if you're a new preacher, and you've got all these resources to be able to draw on that, so you don't have to go looking for um, your own resources. You can, the, the, the guider could point the, the new preacher to that. To this to these resources it's also very helpful i we have a, a pretty open pulpit not like tiffany uh, my friend tiffany dahlman in north carolina she's got a very open pulpit but but i'm not expected to preach every week and so the lectionary makes it a lot easier for me to pull in guest preachers because they i'm just like here's the lectionary text for that sunday and most most of the people who preach know that we follow the lectionary, so they maybe even look ahead and know what what's coming, and so it, it does make it a little easier for uh, for guest preachers for people to just pinch hit for you. So, other thoughts, questions, concerns? I really appreciate the conversation. This was I, I prefer conversations <laughs> to lectures myself. <laughs> Okay, so one of the Church of Christ, you know, the traditions, uh, at least where I grew up, you know, was that someone would come in and give a special series or, you know, do a weekend seminar or something like that uh, on a specific topic. How would you, how, can you just go ahead and read the lectionary readings and then let them finish, finish up their series yeah. on Sunday morning? Absolutely, and or you know a missionary Sunday. We've we've had mm -hmm. some of those where they were basically going to talk about their work, and so we we had most of the readings in the during the service, so people could still hear it. Because I think that's still one of the most important things is to hear the text. Um, and then, as I mentioned to, to Jared, as an option is you can you're. If you're going to miss one of them and you want to make sure you still preach that text, you could just skip one of the ones coming up and you know move them around. We've we've done that too, where we had like my installation Sunday, when I was installed as the senior minister, uh, we we moved stuff around so that the text on the day that of my installation was uh, from Ephesians three about the you know some to be ministers and some to be apostles. So we kind of just scooched some things around to be able to do that. So again, it's, it's, it's I think, not meant to be a, a binding thing to make it harder. I think it's, it's 
to me, the beauty of it is if it's freeing. And if it's not freeing, then it may be time to do something else, <laughs> right? So those are my those are my thoughts on the lecture, I guess. Did you? No? Okay. <laughs> All right.